On today's episode of Rice, we'll be discussing how to live up to our parents' legacies and reviewing The Crow, starring Brandon Lee, who of course had to live up to his father Bruce Lee's legacy. And we will also tackle hot topics including Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death, Aaron O'Toole's positive COVID test, and Kawhi Leonard's misery. What up, what up, listeners, and welcome to Rice Asian Comedy Podcast, where we share the Asian perspective on entertainment, culture, and trending topics. I'm your host, Vong Show, official spokesperson for gay, super cute Asians. And on our panel today, we've got Leonard Chan. Happy to be here. And Veronica Antipolo. Hello, everyone. Cool, cool. Uh, One thing I want to tell our listeners is uh, we've been getting a lot of chat messages the last few weeks. So this week, especially for our trending topic section, we will have a live chat box actually appear on the screen. So everybody viewing the live stream will be able to see your comments. So um, hopefully that'll get um, everybody to comment even more. And hopefully we don't get those uh, racist YouTube commenters. uh kind of trolling us this week but who knows that's uh that's part of the fun of a live show um that being said let's start with our um main topic this week which is living up to our parents legacy so as we know as asians there's a lot of pressure a lot of guilt to live up to our parents legacy um so i'm going to throw first to uh veronica and ask um what pressure do you feel to live up to your parents' legacy? So I, when I, when you say pressure to me, that feels like you're being forced to do something. So I actually was raised mostly by my grandparents. So I feel like I'm pulled to live up to their legacy. The difference being in that if I say pull, it means I'm aspiring to be like them instead of trying to fit in. So they left uh, behind a legacy. My grandfather of uh, community leadership, he literally would walk into a room, his chest puffed up and slap you on the shoulder. And you wouldn't know if that was his friend or if that was a stranger. And it, he was just this loud, gregarious man. And um, what we didn't realize he was doing is that he was building a community of Filipino veterans for the first American Legion post in Toronto. So if anything, I feel like I would like to live up to that being a community leader. I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I have a very bad example of a person, so I don't know how that's going to (laughs) happen. I don't know. Maybe I'll just donate money. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. That's, that's great. Um, I'll I'll give a bit of background about me and my parents. Like you know, um, of course we all know, you know, Asian parents do guilt trip us a lot to you know always talking about what they gave up to come here. Um, but it, it is true though. Like my parents, they escaped communism in in Laos and basically escaped while my mom was nine months pregnant. Um, basically risking their lives to cross the border into Thailand and then coming to Canada. So it's hard to, you know, argue with them when they're telling you to, like, do your schoolwork when you're younger, because otherwise you might just be living, I don't know, probably in some type of weird prison in uh, in Laos. So it is very motivating. Um, 
Oh, oh, I, I have a similar story to Veronica in that, like, my dad was a community leader, and he um, he was the president of the Lao Association for a big chunk of my um, my growing up, and he always tried to foster that sense of community, sense of pride in who we are and where we came from, and so, you know, I definitely try to do that as well with some of the initiatives that, that I've taken a part in, and also, obviously, with Rice, we're trying to, you know, shine a spotlight on Asian comedians and just, you know, underrepresented voices in media as a whole. So, you know, it's sort of my way of living up to his legacy. Um, the other part is, and this is going to be hard to say because I'm like really overly confident as a person, but my dad is basically like better than me at everything. <laughs> like it's, it's, I don't know how to explain it. Like we're the same height and same weight so I'm almost like a carbon copy of him just like a watered down version like he's got a much bigger personality than me which is funny to say because I'm a comedian but he definitely has a bigger personality um he's like a left-handed version of me he's better at every sport than me and I'm pretty sure he's smarter than me it's just he didn't have the same opportunities um, so I do feel pressure to live up to that legacy because I just think, what if he got to grow up in Canada and have the same opportunities as me? Because, you know, like, I feel like I've been pretty successful here with the opportunities that I was granted, um, because of what he, he sort of done for me. So, you know, he, he sort of didn't have the same opportunity. So I, I do feel a lot of pressure, um, on that end for sure, for sure. Now let's, uh... Once I change the overlay, let's head on over to uh, to Leonard. And um, uh, what type of pressure did you feel to live up to your parents' legacy? Um, my parents are both very successful. Like my dad's very successful. Like he came here. Like my mom, like grew up rich. Like her, like my grandfather was like one of those like really really rich guys who like had like factories and like whatever. He was a like, businessman, did really really well. But then my mom moved. To Canada with my dad and they both came here with basically nothing so my dad built like this whole business from scratch um it was like computer engineering and stuff like that like you know like those signs on the Don Valley Parkway like mm-hmm. that like you know they're like well now they're talking about social distancing before it's like wear seatbelts like don't drink and drive or whatever like he did he was like the guy who like programmed all that stuff like he had the contract for that and that was like he just built that all from scratch you know oh. and he like faced racism and all this stuff oh. And, um, yeah, and then he retired. Uh, he got screwed over by the Chinese government. He was like, ah, I'm retiring. And so, and now in his retirement, he's, like, volunteering for, like, senior care centers. And he's, like, he created, like, this community garden. And he's, like, now he's, like, like he's just started another business out of boredom. Like, he's just, like, it's a healthcare business. And then, like, you know, and I was, like, helping with that, like, where we had these like watches to like measure heart rate and detect falls and whatever. It was like, he's just doing all this amazing stuff and helping so many people. And then my mom on the other hand, like she's also like, she had her own business for a while and she was like doing really, really well. So the two of them were just working their asses off and like feeding me and clothing me and, you know, paying for my education, which I then threw away to become a comedian. Uh, (laughs) So I fear that I legacy and i'm fucking it up but like you know like i like as long as like basically i feel as long as i like keep working hard i think like that's for people who have children as my parents do (laughs) like um 
and I'm an only child, so like it's all on me, right? Oh, like wow. I don't have any brothers or sisters to like. Like I always wanted like an older sibling who fucked everything up, so then there was no pressure. But like <laughs> I'm the only child, so I have to, I have to make sure. And then I'm doing art. <laughs> it's like, ooh, this is new and different. But like, but like luckily, like the art's going okay. So I'm not, I don't feel too bad. And like, I feel part of it is like, I want to like honor them with mm. the art and just kind of like, honestly, like the last set I did that was taped for television. I was like, I'm going to talk about my parents and how much I love them. <laughs> <laughs> like what a good son I am. We have a national television to tell my Asian parents how much I love them. That's <laughs> next level good sonning. But I have to, because like they, like part of the reason I haven't had kids is because I'm like, there's no way I'm going to live up to what they've done. It's impossible. Like they've done so much. I was like, this is just going to, I'm going to be shit in comparison. So I'm not even going to try. <laughs> so, you know, sort of, and now sort of turning to your own legacy, um, you know, obviously you're a writer, you're a comedian, like what, what type of legacy are you hoping to leave on the world? Well, I mean, it's going to be my art. Right, and I want to leave art that's timeless. I want to leave something that pe- will help people, make people like think about things. Like I'm talking about, I've, I've reached I've reached a point in my career. Like at the beginning, I like when I wrote jokes and stuff like that. I was like, oh, what do I think is funny? And now I'm thinking, what do I believe? And then how do I, like, I, my craft is almost at a point where I'm like, ooh, I can talk about this stuff and actually have it be funny, because <laughs> that's still like what comes first, right? So like. Yeah, my next album is actually all going to be about legacy. Like, mm. like just coincidentally. Um, like, I want to talk about what we're leaving behind as individuals. I want to talk about what we're leaving behind as a species. I want to talk about climate change. I want to talk about, you know, like, I'm not having kids, right? So, like, you know, like a, lot, a lot of my friends who have kids are like, well, I'm done. This is my legacy. I'm like, cool, your legacy just took a shit on the floor. So, uh <laughs> My kids don't shit on your floor, I promise. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, they, it's not like they have a lot of control over it. They, if a kid wants shit on the floor, they're going to shit on the floor, right? That's <laughs> the nature of children. Like, cool. So, yeah, I mean, that's really what it is. And I, and in order for that's like the art that I create to actually leave an impression and like stay behind, like, it just has to be a, really, really, really good and be timeless. It has to be. You know, like it's, it's, yeah, it's just about how much can affect people, mm. you know, yeah. like how will you be remembered and like how, what kind of a difference you can make. It's like, I used to be an environmental engineer. I feel like I made no difference whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> like I cleaned up a ton of sites, but it's not like more didn't get polluted. So, um, and a lot of these sites I cleaned up, they're still dirty. Like, cause the law is basically like, well, they're not polluting anybody else. We don't have to clean it. You know, it's fine. Like, so really, all I did was I was just there to, like, facilitate real estate transactions. Like, I wasn't there to actually clean up the world, which I wanted to do. And I was just like, you know what? Maybe I can make a bigger difference if I, like, talk about this shit and raise awareness about this shit. And, like, I am trying to create – like, I've given up on adults, really. So I'm trying to create this, like, kids' TV show because, like, the child is the future, right? Teach the well. Let them lead the way. That's, like, a song, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so I want to like, get a hug. <laughs> you know, you spend twenty years trying to save the world. It it hurts, man. I know, <laughs> like, like everyone hugs Leonard. Haven't made anything better. 
Like, it's just gotten worse. <laughs> I feel like a terrible person right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, just uh, building on what Leonard said, I've, I, it's funny, I'm also working on, on, my, on my next album, and um, it, you know, I, I think from, from the very start um, with my comedy, I think uh, because I, I used to organize human rights conferences before I got into comedy, my comedy always starts with what I believe in, and then I just... Um, assume that I'm able to make it funny. Um, so that, that's one thing. I know there's been a lot said about like cancel culture and different things like that of people being silenced. But for me, I've never been worried to say what I believe because um, or being canceled or whatever, because if somebody doesn't like what I'm saying in my comedy, like those are my real beliefs. So if you want to cancel me, you probably would have canceled me whether I was a comedian or not. Um, and I, I do think that, that, that that's really important. Obviously, there's lots of different great styles of comedy that don't have to be that, um, you know, like slapstick comedy, all that. You know, I, I love different types of comedy, so I'm not saying there's only one way. But, yeah, I, I definitely think that my art will also be my legacy. I want people to go back and watch videos, um, hopefully, and to really know what, what I was about. I also want my legacy to be fighting for my community and, um, you know, you know, not just using my success to propel myself, but to both inspire um, more Asian comedians and Asian voices to be heard and to give them that platform, um, you know, long after I'm gone, hopefully. Um, and I think we've already started doing that with with Rice. Um, uh yeah, I, I would say that, that, that that's pretty much it. I, I just want my art to be my legacy and also, you know, like Leonard, because I'm, I don't have kids. I only have one cat. So my legacy will hopefully be the future generations of comedians that I inspire who will hopefully remember me um, after I'm gone. And hopefully YouTube stays up forever uh, because that's yeah. where other people will be able to to uh, find me. Um, as long as my father. <laughs> 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 okay, now uh, heading over to Veronica to answer the same question. What type of legacy do you hope to leave on, on the world? The same thing. I, I mean, I joke about feeling like a terrible person because um, I too, I'd like to have an effect on the community and specifically for women, um, women of color, Asian women, just because, and of a certain age. I always have to say that. And people sometimes question, why do I even bother mentioning it if it's not supposed to matter? I'm like, because it does matter because it's an issue. So I want to help break a stereotype that, you know, you can be a certain age and still start something new. You can, there's still room to progress. Um, and th that's community that's not really addressed often. So Hopefully that's legacy I can leave behind is something for those, those women that feel the same way. Yeah, absolutely. And just to wrap up this topic, I will say that I'm glad that, you know, as awesome as my dad is, that he wasn't Bruce Lee, because that'd be really hard to live up to. Um, and Brandon Lee was well on his way to living up to it, um, unfortunately. We'll talk about it in our movie review later, because um, our listeners who know what we're about, the, the movie usually ties in with the topic. So as I was watching The Crow, I was like, well... The first thing I think of, of the Crow and Brandon Lee, other than his, you know, really tragic death is having to live up to his father's legacy. So 
Um, that's why this was our topic this week. So hopefully you liked that discussion. We are going to move into our hot topic section um, of the week. And our first hot topic is about the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, of course, from the Supreme Court of the United States. Um, we're going to break it up into two sections. I know there's like a lot of stuff about like how they're going to fill her seat, different things like that. But I, I feel like to honor her, we, we're just going to start first with just talking about her legacy. Um, and then after that, then we'll sort of jump into um, all the drama around filling her seat and uh, the shady Republicans. But uh, let's uh, let's start with Leonard on his thoughts about um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and the legacy that she has left. I mean, holy shit. <laughs> I mean, like, an incredible woman, incredible legacy. Like, she forever changed gender equality in the States, landmark opinions and LGBTQ stuff. Um, I mean, she was a liberal lioness, they called her, right? And, I mean, she was kind of like the stalwart fighting against the forces of darkness, which are coming. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, she was, you know, she, she was a law clerk. She was the first... Uh, woman to ever get tenure at Columbia University as a professor. She, you know, was in the U.S. Court of Appeals. She was general counsel for the American Civil Liberties Union. She started the Women's Rights Project. She like, uh, she made huge strides in uh, vote, you know, change of the Voting Rights Act. Like, her dissenting opinions were like, like just were bananas. <laughs> like you would, off like a lot of lawyers would just like read her dissenting opinions first to be like, well, let's figure out what Bader Ginsburg thinks about this stuff because like, <laughs> it's going to really like crystallize what the issues are. Cause she was such a ferocious legal mind and just so incredible, like at, at understanding the law and fighting for the things that she, believe, that she believed in. And also like this woman was resilient. Like she like more than like an NFL defensive end. Like it was like she fought cancer for forty years or something. Like she had oh she started with cancer in like uh, nineteen ninety nine. I think she had colon cancer. She had surgery for that, and then she had pancreatic cancer. Like that she was fighting for twenty years, and then which finally got her. But like, man, like the stuff that she did. Like and and she was like a pop culture icon on top of all that. She was a notorious RBG, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, it's just nuts like she's uh yeah like that this loss i mean it's been politicized immediately but i mean Vong, you're absolutely right like we should be focusing on like this amazing life she led like you know like her her life has been so meaningful to so many people and she's done so much for so many people like and it's i guess it's kind of fitting that her death is going to be equally <laughs> insane uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, let's uh, let's head on over to Ronica for your thoughts on uh, RBG and her legacy and how her legacy has impacted you. Such a powerful woman. Yeah, and you know, it's so all those accomplishments that Leonard um, mentioned and that so many people know. It's funny. I can't help but think of her as just her as a person. And everything that she was juggling. So even she had all those accomplishments, but it was so ingrained in her. And I know that she loved the law. It's obvious because why would you spend all that time in it and raise kids and your husband? I'm like, God damn it, woman, you must have really loved it. But thank you. Like, thank you for your passion. Because honestly, I, I probably would have given up 
halfway through the first year of law school. If I even got there, I don't even know if I'm smart enough for that, to be honest. But she left a legacy of just the tenacity for me. Like, that's what it is. Um, and Like, all those accomplishments, sure. But if I'm going to put it down to a trait that I would like to possess is just that, just relentless tenacity. Mm. Yeah. Great. Thanks, Veronica. Um, now let's head back on over to um, to uh, Leonard to talk about the um, the second part of this, which is all the drama regarding filling her seat and how it's just become so politicized literally within minutes, if not seconds, after her death. Take it away, Leonard. Yeah. Uh, so... The controversy, as for those who, who aren't following American politics, which, um, and I understand if you don't, because it's like fucking, uh, <laughs> it's exhausting. But uh, back in 2016, um, Antonin Scalia died, another Supreme Court justice. And of course, Obama was still president at this point. And as president, he's allowed to choose uh, Supreme Court justice, right? And, uh, but then he did not. The Democrats did not have the Senate. Mitch McConnell, as Senate Majority Leader, uh, said, you know, it's it's the job of the Senate to uh, consent and, uh, you know, confirm or whatever. And uh, McConnell was like, no, uh, we're not going to do that. We're not going to even have a vote uh, because it's an election year. And and his whole argument was like, it's an election year and you should never appoint a Supreme Court justice during an election year. This was like, still like, there's still like nine months to go. And he was just like, no, we have to wait until there's a new president, and then the American people get to decide who uh, is the Supreme Court justice. Four, four years, 57 days for an election. People are already voting. Mitch McConnell's like, <laughs> no, we own it. We have the presidency. We have the Senate. Fuck all y'all. I'm gonna, we're going to appoint one as soon as possible. And people are like, are you fucking kidding me? And like, nobody's surprised, obviously. This is, like, to nobody's shock. Like, McConnell, literally a couple hours after Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, he would, oh, by the way, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, in her, she wrote in a final letter to her granddaughter, she says, my fervent wish is that I will not be replaced until there is a new president. Mm-hmm. So literally, she's not even told. McConnell's like, fuck this woman's dying wishes. <laughs> We're, it's all about power, right? And I get it. I mean, this is the fruition of like a Republican plan that's been in place for 40 years since Roe v. Wade came into, and that's the whole uh, abortion being legal thing, which is like the huge issue for most Republican, like most of the single issue voters on the Republican side are basically abortion, abortion, abortion. It's either abortion or gun, gun rights, right? It's like, I, I want to be able to shoot adults and not kill babies. And... <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so anyway, so now they're they're pushing forward to like, um, you know, install a new Supreme Court justice, which would be just the hypocrisy, but like, what's new? This is politics. Uh, so the issue now is, can they do it before November, before the election in November? And it's going to be real tight because you got to like, do all sorts of things. Like you got to like vet them, FBI, there's like, like, they could theoretically not have a hearing, but there would be like the most insane thing on, the, like, it would be insane. Uh, they currently, so the Republicans currently have 53 people in the Senate, so they cannot afford to have more than three senators defect. Two have already voiced 
their intention to do so. That's Lisa Murkowski of Alaska and Susan Collins of Maine, I believe, who, by the way, says stuff all the time and then then goes mm-hmm. and does the exact opposite. So whatever. Like, she, like, voted against impeachment and was like, well, I'm sure he's learned his life. <laughs> yeah, that worked out well. Um, so, yeah, so then, so they're going to try to ram it through before the election. And the other thing that might be even more insane is if after the election, let's say Biden gets elected, they're still in office until January 20th, which is the lame duck Congress, it's called, where they're not supposed to really do anything, but they could shove through a Supreme Court justice during that time, and that would be the most insane thing uh, that's happened in American politics probably in a long-ass time. Because now they're directly going against the wishes of the pop- like of the population. There's like, you know, because I don't really see this getting done before November. And it would be crazy, like, and, and to the point where, like, the Democrats are like, if you do that, if you, like, uh, put in a Supreme Court justice before, during a lame duck Congress, when we take the Senate, and we will, and we take the presidency, which we will, we are going to abolish the filibuster and, like, pass the Supreme Court. Like, basically, we're just going to demolish everything that you're doing because, and this is the problem with, like, this has been the problem with the Trump presidency and a lot of, and like, it's not just the Trump presidency, but it's been going on for a long time in American politics. It's just the erosion of norms and traditions. It turns out, like, not a lot of these, like, norms and traditions were codified in law. So all it took was, like, one asshole and, like, eight senators to be like, yeah, let's just fuck this place. And then it just makes, like, any sort of shitty action on this side result in, like, an equal and opposite shitty reaction on the other side. And it just escalates to the point where that's how democracy dies. And this is what, this is where we're headed. And if they do fire through a Supreme Court justice, that'll be a 6-3 conservative court. Like, that's the end of, that's the end of like, any sort of progressive yeah. law for the next 30 years. So goodbye LGBTQ rights, goodbye abortion, uh, goodbye climate change, because it's all going to be like, yay business, fuck the climate. Like, I mean, it's not, it's probably, like I'm saying it is like, it's like doomsday. <laughs> probably not as bad as I'm saying, but it's still pretty fucking bad. You know, uh, so yeah, man, I don't know. I, I'm in Canada. I can't do shit. But if you're American, you're listening to this, please vote yeah. Biden and then write to your senators. Like, tell your senators, like, look, man, if you, like, try to shove through this, like, you're out of a job. And and then it's up to them if they want to sacrifice themselves for 30 years of a conservative court, which honestly, if I were a senator, I might like, if I on that side, just because it, that'd be worth it. To enact your insane, bigoted agenda. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I've got a few thoughts on this. One is, like, the hypocrisy, as Leonard said. I'm not surprised. I've never wanted to argue with people, um, you know. And, and for me, it was mainly, just being gay is mainly, like, church people or conservatives who want to, like, quote specific things from the Bible or, like, all this kind of shit. And I never get into details because I always know they're hypocritical. It's like they've already decided their position, and then they're looking for evidence to support it. So it's not, like, a real argument because they'll just say whatever. And then when they win the argument or it's it's a different situation that's in their favor, they'll just totally reverse what they're saying, like, you know, the only thing they know is what their position is. And none of the evidence will ever change their mind. So that's why I don't like arguing with people. So I just feel like it's disingenuous by people. I mean like, you know, crazy church protesters who scream crazy shit at gay people, but, uh, but just just in general with, with conservatives, like conservatives are just full of hypocrisy. Like the whole, you know, 
um you know the the roe v way the like to me it is about controlling women's bodies as opposed to um as opposed to any real moral high ground about you know uh, saving lives because most of them are pro-gun and also pro-death penalties so yeah lives are really sacred except for not um and you know let's kill some old people so that the economy can recover from covid so don't give me no moral high ground about like oh we need to see save like goddamn fetuses give me an effing break and uh, please stop quoting me stupid ass shit from the bible because nobody effing cares okay um all i know <laughs> is that y'all are uncomfortable with gays and- <laughs> this is the problem no, listen, if if anybody can be like hardcore anti religion, like I grew up trying to be nice about it and trying to be like, oh, there's good people, whatever. No, honestly, I am a hundred percent anti religion at this point. And I know we're talking about conservatives, but in the US the conservatives are mainly white Christian people. So let's, I know that's not totally true. Somebody's going to comment, but, you know, keeping it real, the senators who are voting for like, you know, like, like, um, uh, quote unquote pro-life shit, like it'll be like, you know, 20 straight white guys. It's just, it's just ridiculous. Uh It's, it's hypocrisy. I just, I just can't even argue with those bitches. Um, and, ugh, I just... Oh, the other thing I wanted to say is this lifetime appointment shit just needs to stop. They just need to stop. Both in in Canada as well. We've got some, like, racist-ass shit senators in Canada, which, good thing, at least in Canada, the senators can't really do anything because it's just a, you know, free paid position where you don't really do jack shit and you just get money until you die. But this whole thing of, like, lifetime appointments, we should not be, like, waiting on the deathbed of, like, 80 and 90-year-olds, um to see where our future goes this is just ridiculous and the whole thing of like moral high ground and you know i I really hope that the democrats follow through with what they're saying that if the republicans pull this crazy shit which i feel like they are going to that they'll make them pay by doing like even crazier shit and i'm okay with getting rid of the norms because if only one side is playing by the norms and that side is just stupid like the republicans are so evil right now and i hate to break it down between good and evil but i couldn't write like a harry potter villain that was more evil like they are like comically outwardly evil on what they're doing and they're doing it out in the open in the public so if we're gonna do like the michelle obama you know when they go low we go high f that shit no you have to fight dirty you have to fight dirty with dirty and i said this on another podcast but listen my girl michelle obama i feel like she's misquoted she is from south chicago when she says they go low we go high what she means is stab them in the neck Because if you stab (laughs) these white bitches in the leg, they'll just come back in a fucking wheelchair and still, like, burn your house down. They still got too much power. Stab them in the neck, stab them in the face, stab them up high. This is not moral high ground time. Do the dirty shit. Add extra. I don't know. Leonard had more technical details on it, but I'm sure there's shady shit we can do, too. Pull some shady shit. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I agree with you, but the problem is, like, once you get rid of, like, because it's cyclical, right? Like, what happens is, like, so fine, the Democrats here, they, like, get rid of the filibuster. They pack the courts, right? Okay. And then when the Republicans take over, now the filibuster's gone, so now they have all this power to do whatever the fuck they want. And that's just going to oscillate between shittier and shittier things 
Mm-hmm. And that's how democracy dies. And the reason this is happening, it's not like everybody's like, oh, Mitch McConnell, he's like this genius. It's like, no, man, Mitch McConnell, he's in the pockets of corporations. All the entire Republican Party is in the pockets of corporations and Russian money. So they are desperate. That's why all this shit is happening. Like, they are desperate to keep power because things are falling apart. You know, mm-hmm. like, they, they're losing the demographic battle. They are losing, you know, like, like their base is dwindling and they have a problem. Like, this, this Trump... This last Trump term was basically Trump gambling that we can eke out one more, one more presidential term through disgruntled, angry white people. <laughs> and that was the calculation. And so then they did that with Russia's help. Boom. And now he got rewarded with like three fucking Supreme Court justices. And I swear to God, like this whole norm thing, like you're talking about, like, yeah, normally it's always like, oh, we must let the nation heal. Like, fuck that throw these motherfuckers in jail man like et, like just put it up to their commission find out every crime they did and fucking scorched motherfucking earth and then because you gotta you gotta show them you can't do this shit you know and if they don't do that like that is the end of the country like i don't see like they're, they're already fucked but like it's just gonna be fucked faster yeah i yeah. I'm, I'm in total agreement i've always said that it's not enough for trump to lose because then there wasn't enough punishment. Like he's done so much shady, illegal shit that if he doesn't go to jail for the rest of his life for like one of these dozens of things that he's committed publicly. Um, like, I don't know why we have all these like fucking tell all books. Like he's saying this shit publicly. (laughs) Like he's, in the open doing these crimes, you know? Yeah. Like, we have all these people looking to, oh, did he make deals with this country, this country? On the friggin' front lawn, he's asking China to, like, in- interfere, Russia to interfere. Like, you don't need no special tapes. Or I know the Bob Woodward tapes and everything. I don't need none of those tapes. He has said that shit in public. He has said shit to, like, e- even in response to the Woodward tapes about him disrespecting the military, in his response to saying, oh, I never said that. He then d- started disrespecting the military in his response by saying, oh, everybody in my cabinet in the military is, uh, you know, just wants to profit off of selling uh, weapons for the next war, which is probably true, yes. But, like... I don't need a tell-all book. I don't need secret tapes. He's saying it publicly. So I feel like if he doesn't end up in jail for the rest of his life, we're going to get another Trump. Somebody needs to stop these bitches. Like, I can't, I just can't even, like, none of this, none of this Al Gore, let's heal. Let's just, I'm just going to move on peacefully. No, no, burn, burn. Burn this shit down. Okay, I feel like let's let's move on before I uh, before I end up in jail. Um, let's uh, change uh, topics. Something a little bit lighthearter. <laughs> lighthearter. I'm just making up words now. A little bit more oh lighthearted. <laughs> no, they've been stabbed. They've been thrown in jail. <laughs> okay, let's head on over to Veronica's first trending topic, which is um, the shortage of canned soda pops. What what is happening, <laughs> Veronica? There is Canada is having a shortage of canned pop because you greedy people out there want individual cans and the favorite brands. Well, the favorite product, the brand is pretty much Coke, uh, is Coke itself. So then all the aluminum cans are being used to only for Coke. So anyone who's drinking, say, Diet Coke or worse. Diet Canada Dry 
you're out of luck. You're not going to find your pop in stock. And why the fuck are you drinking Diet Canada Dry? Just drink water. Like, is that why is it a drink? Diet Canada Dry? <laughs> so, yeah, just this late breaking. I, why did you put that up against Ruth Bader Ginsburg? <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's not it's issues. not a competition these are both important issues that will leave a new legacy and change lives forever <laughs> rbg now fucking popkins <laughs> hey you know what in a lot of ways maybe this is a good thing right like kids are just drinking too much pop obesity is a huge problem a lot of people are dying um so maybe maybe this is good although like how do we run out of aluminum? What is happening in the world? I don't know. Well, <laughs> <laughs> back to letter not the. There's some there's some shit going on with like t- tariffs and whatnot. Uh, <laughs> so ridiculous! And why do you need individual cans at home? You're at home. Like, get a two liter. <laughs> Let's just get. You know what? This is Canada. We should be able to buy soda pop in a bag. <laughs> <laughs> Canada dry in the lake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know what? The good thing is I I've stopped trying to drink out of like aluminum cans cuz you know like they say that like rats pee on that shit during transportation. Yeah. That's why like some brands what's what's that uh bougie brand of uh whatever. Oh, San Pellegrino. That's why they put the aluminum on yeah. top because they know that like rats pee on this shit. So <laughs> If you are, not only are you getting obese by drinking this shit, but you're also licking like rat pee. So, yeah, Ugh. good luck with that. Um, buy it in a bag. Buy it in a bag, like Leonard said. Um, <laughs> okay, thank you for that, for that hot topic, Veronica. Let's head back over to uh, Leonard for a topic that I know I'm going to lose my shit over just reading the headline. But Asian grandma temporarily blinded by attackers what is happening ah so okay uh so this happened in uh pembroke so if anybody here is from pembroke uh you probably know that this is not a surprise uh (laughs) people in pembroke and so uh yeah it's like teenagers like 14 ish years old like knocked on this 80 year old vietnamese grandmother's door and just fucking threw rocks at her. They egged her house. They, like, started calling her, like, racial slurs. Uh, and, oh, you know, man. presumably this is all stoked. all the anti-Asian sentiment that's been going on since the beginning of this pandemic. And it's just continuing, right? Which is infuriating. Um, you know what? Like, honestly, like, if somebody is racist enough to assume that all Asians are responsible for coronavirus and are willing to attack us, they should also be racist enough to assume that we all know martial arts and will fucking kill you with our pinkies. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's like, and she's an 80-year-old grandma. And then there's, like, people, like, like on the, uh, there was, like, on Reddit, I think people were like, yeah, but, you know, there's, like, a, there are both sides in this. Why oh the fuck do you side this? Like, it's like, no. there's people on both sides. One side threw a rock at an 80 year old woman who was clearly not doing, like, she was at home. She was at, yeah. Like, oh. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. I've actually been to Pembroke many times. My aunt was there. <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. And it's <laughs> like, all there is is like the Walmart and the Boston pizza. And I, yeah, it's, um, yeah. What side is there? There's only they're both on one side of the town. Everything on that town is one sided, for God's sake. 
So, oh yeah. So, anyways, the point is, I guess, like, for people who are like, oh, there's no racism in Canada. There is so much racism in Canada. Are we better than the States? Yeah. But still, it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> still bad. Just because, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. And, you know. Eight-year-old I, grandma. Fucked up. I, 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 we hide it better. And listen, I, I do get with like everything happening in the U.S. right now. Um, we've sort of taken a pause talking about different types of racism and very much focusing on anti-black racism, which was very important. It was a moment, and it's a moment that continues. I'm not saying it's just one moment. We have to continue fighting for that. And you know what's happening for the um, for the uh, anti anti uh, indigenous. Um, uh, racism as well. Um, like heck, even even Pride Month, we didn't really celebrate. Um, because it was a moment to take a pause. But now, you know, I feel like we do need to get back to what was happening before um, all the Black Lives Matter stuff was happening, which was Asians were getting attacked because of COVID and they've continued to get attacked. Um, there was uh, whatever that Reuters poll or whatever a while ago that was like 50% of Asians say they've been at least verbally attacked and 20% have been physically attacked. And now I don't know the exact percentages. I feel like I haven't read the story in a while. So those might just be made up numbers. So please feel free to comment the real numbers, but it was really high ass numbers. And these people are being attacked. There's video of it, you know, like, I, you know, like, like I said, I, I kind of silenced myself for a while because there's a lot of other things going on and rightfully so. And that was the right thing to do. But, you know, getting back to like the mission of rights, like we need to really speak up for our Asians, especially our Asian grandmas, for goodness sake. Who is yeah. attacking an Asian grandma? Like, this is ridiculous. Like, I, I would say, you know, this doesn't get me into trouble. I always say things get me in trouble. Like, I did enjoy a certain level of protection of where I grew up because, you know, there was, you know, a multicultural gang war. But, you know, there were like, you know, in my neighborhood, there were some Chinese triads. So it's like if you were Asian, people wouldn't just randomly attack an Asian grandma because that could be the grandma of some like triad kingpin. So people kind of did respect Asians a little bit more because you attack the wrong Asian and maybe your face is going to get shanked, you know? Um, so I, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't feel like there's a Chinese triad to protect this Asian grandma in Pembroke. I know nothing about Pembroke, but you know, I don't know if the police are going to find these bitches. I don't know. I only, I don't know. This is, this is getting me too upset. This is like one in like dozens of you know, like in San Francisco, like a freaking one year old got stabbed, a one year old Asian baby got stabbed, so and okay. a three year old. So it's like, uh, please just stop with this stabbing Asians because you think they have COVID. Like, what the hell? What the hell, people? Yeah. Regardless of age, too. They're like, ah, one year old, yeah. got a eighty year old. Fine, I tell you, man. And one of those fourteen year old kids in Pembroke is going to turn to be like Marky Mark. <laughs> oh, and God. knows each other there, so uh, they know who did it. <laughs> they yeah. did it. They're protecting them. There's no fucking yeah. way they don't know who did it. It's Pembroke. But fuck, this is the sort of thing that happens when you have like political, like leaders of political parties using shit ass slogans like "Take Canada Back." Mm. Like, oh. <laughs> oh, good lord! Try to take Canada. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, um, speaking of shitty leaders and their slogans of taking Canada back, let's uh, let's stick with um, Leonard for his next topic, which is Aaron O'Toole, um, a new leader of conservative um, Canada party, has tested positive for COVID nineteen. Let's uh, let's get Leonard's thoughts on this. Um. Okay, so I don't want to make this a partisan issue. I don't think that we should be like, oh, you know, just because somebody with political views I don't like, uh, I shouldn't be happy that they tested for COVID. I mean, a little, but I shouldn't be happy. I know this. I feel bad about it. I know it makes me a bad person. I understand this. <laughs> but fuck, it's funny. <laughs> like when Jeremy Spinaro got COVID, I was like, yes. Uh, and also, like, the leader of the Bloc Québécois got COVID. So, also very funny to me. Again, that makes me a terrible person. I recognize this. I'm not a good person. I, uh, this is bad. This is not good. Uh, but I think it's very, very fun that, like, Aaron O'Toole basically represents Alberta. And then you got this, uh, what is his name? He's, uh, Yves... Francois, no, what, what the fuck is his name? Bl- something Blanchet, I know that's his last name. Anyway, the leader of the, the Bloc Québécois. These uh, provinces I want to separate. <laughs> now they're leaders basically of COVID. I was like, well, you can't separate, but you must social distance. <laughs> you can separate from Canada six feet. <laughs> yeah, I, I think for me, like, you know... I, 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 first of all, I love Evil Leonard. Please lean in some more. Um, <laughs> um, I, I think with, uh, with, with these leaders, I would say my opinion is like, you know, listen, I think they say uh, probably 40% of people are going to get COVID. So most people in Canada, I guess it's not quite most, but a little bit under half of people are going to get it. So, you know, them getting it is neither here nor there. But I will say, on the positive side, I feel like when you have conservative science deniers um, that are getting it, like, you know, Boris Johnson or whatever, it does have political ramifications because these people are conservative, at least in my opinion, because um, I lived in Alberta. And I feel like a lot of conservatives are conservative because they live in a bubble. They have so much wealth and only are around white people. So... Anything that they make an opinion on or make a law on, they're very harsh with it because they haven't experienced it. And so, and they just don't have the empathy to see through somebody else's eyes unless it happens to them. Um, so, mm-hmm. when one of those leaders gets COVID, I am kind of happy because I was like, well, now they'll treat it more seriously. It's one thing to deny it when poor people get it, but it's like, you're probably going to treat it like it's a real thing if your bitch ass is in the hospital, like Boris Johnson, you know? Yeah. I mean, I will say, like, Aaron O'Toole, like, looking at his platform, uh, it's not, like, he's not anti-trans, he's not anti, like, he's actually fairly progressive, so I'm not, like, I don't really wish horrors upon him. The take Canada back thing, don't love it, bit of a racist dog whistle, uh, and he wants to defund the CBC, which I'm not down with, because CBC pays most of my money. That's where I make most of my money, and I want to work for this hour's 11 minutes, this doesn't make any sense. Because <laughs> he uh, wants to cut the funding for CBC and F. But anyways, um, but like, yeah, but someone like Jared Bolsonaro, who I'm like, oh, fuck that guy. Like, he's literally burning on the Amazon. He's like, he's, he and Trump are together destroying the world. And I don't, like, they were destroying the world. And I wanted COVID to really take this motherfucker out. Yeah. Like, I don't, and I know that's, again, 
super bad, but mm. COVID has only made him worse. Now he's like, well, I had it. I'm fine. Everybody's going to get it. Fine. You just all have to live with the fact that everyone's going to get it. And now, like, Brazil, like, they're getting yeah, locked. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's brutal. Like, my friend uh, Carol Zoccoli, like, comedian, great. She's down in Brazil right now filming some shit for Comedy Central. And she's like, it is bananas down here. And I was like, yeah, they are not going to let you come back. You know? Oh, that, my right? God. She like, moved to Brazil. She had to. Like, that's where she's got a Comedy Central show down there. She has to go. Like, that's Oof. what she's going to do. Wow. Get yeah. that money, was... girl. Get that money and I hope you survive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> shit. But don't get that COVID. <laughs> <laughs> The way that most people are going to have COVID, like I keep saying this, most people are going to get COVID, have had COVID, whatever. It's like the new HPV. I'm not trying to trivialize, but it's like pretty much that's my metaphor. It's like the new HPV. Um, and then mm, back mm, to Aaron mm. O'Toole, why he's complaining about this huge line. That's why he got upset. He got upset that he was in a huge line with his family. He saw other families are waiting and now he's bringing to the attention, like, what's the government doing about rapid testing? That's the other thing. I'm like, yeah, but we all know this. Regular people know this. Why Why is it only going to be addressed now that Mr. White Man is like, I'm upset with the lines. No, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling, I'll, I'll say this, though, Veronica. Like, if I could get COVID the same way I got HPV. Mm. <laughs> then, uh, where's this going? <laughs> I mean... With rapid testing, if they put, like, I mean, whatever, I'll put up with two weeks. Like it really depends. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, HPV. That really took a swerve. Shout out to uh, Foad HP who uh, has a great joke about HPV, and I always think of him. He's like the face of uh, HPV in my brain um, for oh, some weird reason. Um, oh, fellow Asian as well. Just uh, had to throw that out. Always shouting out Asian comedians. Um, Okay, uh, so next topic is actually my topic, and I want to wish Super Mario, the world's favorite plumber um, and cart go uh, cart racer, um, he has so many professions now. Um, happy thirty <laughs> fifth birthday! But I will say that like he is having a really rough year because this was planned to be the biggest celebration ever. Um, like, so it's it, it, it's thirty fifth. Um, anniversary of Super Mario Brothers on the NES, you know, groundbreaking game. You know, in my lifetime, I remember it was huge when I was younger that Mario surpassed um, Mickey Mouse as the most recognizable character in the world. And I was just really proud because obviously it's like an Asian-made character and all that. But this year has been really rough on Mario. Everything that was planned, almost nothing is coming to fruition. The only thing that's happened so far is, um, you know, I was playing, uh, you know, the anniversary edition of Super Mario 3D All-Stars, which um, contains Super Mario 64, Mario Sunshine, and um, Super Mario Galaxy on the Switch. So that came out to celebrate it. But a whole bunch of other things were planned. Like, number one, Mario was going to be the international mascot for the Tokyo Olympics, which got postponed. So that totally, you know... Didn't happen, obviously. I'm sure it'll happen next year, but it's not as special. It's not his birthday. Also, Super Nintendo World or Super Nintendo Land, I forgot what it was going to be called, was going to open in conjunction with the Olympics in Japan. And, like, it was going to be, like, real-life go-karting. It's, like, there's photos of it. It looks so amazing. But now they're going to be at least a year behind in opening. I think they're opening one in Universal Studios as well. Um, 
a Mario movie was getting made. It's been delayed a couple years. It's just a, a poor Mario, man. Like he if you haven't seen the first Mario movie. That's not the most tragic <laughs> thing. I mean, Bob Hoskins as Super Mario. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know what? That one might actually qualify as an Asian movie of the week because it is Mario is Asian, and we can make fun oh. of how terrible um, everything is. <laughs> yeah. I- I mean, I mean <laughs> well, he, yeah, I think that's really funny. By the way, it's like he's Asian, but he's really Italian. And there's another <laughs> thing that's like, you know, like it's kind of like links back to COVID, right? It's like it started in China, and then Italy took it, and then it took it to the whole next level. You know, it's just like pasta. It's like noodles were ours, and then Italy took it whole next level. Yeah. Do you know what I love about Super Mario the most? Is just how super racist Asians are allowed to be because it's like. It's such a character. <laughs> it's like Asians' opinion of white people bunched into a character. It's like, let's make a white character. So it's like a fat plumber who goes around saying, it's a me, a Mario. Like, it's so... <laughs> it's so... Oh, what's his brother's name? Luigi. Like, it's okay. so racist. Like, I can't imagine, like, if an Italian company tried to make, like, an Asian video game mascot that just took every Asian stereotype. Um, I don't think it'd go over as well. So I do like Mario for that because he's like sneaky racist, which is the best kind of racist. Um, And also, obviously, anti-white racism is clearly the best. Um, And yes, I'm only partially kidding because I believe in the definition of racism that takes power structures into account, which means you can't actually be racist toward white people. And I will say that is the definition of racism that visible minorities tend to use. It's only white people who define it without power structures involved. And I feel like it's up to the groups that are oppressed to define what racism is, not the oppressors. So F you people who believe that um, the other definition is correct, because the oppressors don't get to define what racism is, Okay. Anyway, that was a bit of a like how we detour. got there from Mario. I love <laughs> Mario. I was like Super Mario. Yeah. Like people. No, it was just like poor Super Mario is having early midlife crisis. Like no party for him. Poor guy. You know what? I, I like the. And what's the most Asian character in Super Mario is Yoshi, right? Yeah. <laughs> now you have this like this white guy riding his back, and who will you? Yoshi, like, would leap off of him and slice Yoshi, like, let him drop into a pin. And be like, and then Yoshi's like, (laughs) (laughs) just fingers. He'll never look at that game the same again. You feel bad, like, I always feel bad in that game where I have to, like, leap off Yoshi and use him to vault me to another thing and kill Yoshi in the process, like... Why could we not save Yoshi? This fucking sucks. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, that's I guess that's all I have to say. Almost I guess almost any time I go on a rant, it ends up winding its way to I hate white people. But uh anyway, that's <laughs> that's sort of what it is. Um and if anybody's upset at me for saying that, look up my very first comedy special, I hate white people. It's out there, so it's not like I'm hiding at people. Um and it does have more context to it. I don't want to be can- well, I probably will be canceled, but um, there's more context to it than that. It's a metaphor. Anyway, long story short, I do hate white people. Um, now going over to uh, to our next topic. Um, 
to uh, Veronica's next topic, which is the Public Health Agency of Canada. Their CEO has resigned in the middle of a freaking pandemic. What the hell is going on, Veronica? Yeah. Oh my God. I'm going to listen. I'm going to try and say her name. Bear with me. It's like 15 syllables. <laughs> Tina Namiowski. I'm sorry. But listen, <laughs> she is resigning. President of Public Health. So, okay. So there's uh, Teresa, who is more the scientific side. And then there's Tina so-and-so. She takes care of the administrative, the the how we're going to do this, money, resources. She is resigning just as numbers are going up and we've gotten a few more restrictions. So, of course, me, the one who's suspicious of everybody, I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Like, what's happening now in stage two? Is there something that's going to happen that they're not going to tell us? Like, I feel like there's just something there that she is so tired that she does not want to do again. So I I am, yeah. It's a conspiracy theory I'm working on. <laughs> one, one stage wonder. One like, stage wonder. Like, what is the <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, you know what? When the going gets tough, the CEOs get going. I don't understand. This reminds me of when the whole Volkswagen controversy happened with the um, with the carbon emissions, and then their CEO just left and took his bonus. I was like, "Oh shit!" I, I was like, "I wish I could just mess it up and then just leave and let somebody else, you know, get sued." Yeah, I don't know. This shit's crazy. Shame on you, public health agency CEO. I don't even know your stupid ass, and I don't even want to know your name because it's too many letters. But you know, you can suck it. You know, I thought you were supposed to be a public servant and protect the public. You know, I, I will take all this back if there's like some super secret, I don't know, whatever, but I don't think there is. I just think you suck uh, at your job and as a person. Devil's advocate. <laughs> tough job. And like, yeah, you know, like at some point, like your mental health, you got to like put the mm. oxygen mask on yourself before you put it on others. Yeah. So like, hey, from what I understand, like. You know, anybody who's worked with her has been like, she's super smart. She's really good at like getting super smart people to work together. And her entire career has been promotion after promotion. So if she gets to this point, if she just got to this point here where she's just like, I fucking can't take this anymore. Exactly. It's got to be bad. Like, I don't, I, I'm not like, oh, she's weak. I'm like, oh shit, this job is tough. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And that's why I'm like, what's really happening? Exactly. (laughs) All comes back to that. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like, and I get it. We're in this era of, you know, as soon as somebody says mental health, everybody sort of backs off, which is cool. I and mean, it's much better than where we were beforehand. But I will, and I'm going to get in trouble. I should stop saying that because I just know I'm going to get in trouble. Like, I do believe in mental health. I'm not saying I don't. But there is a sense of duty as well. Let, let, let me be real. I don't think an Asian would have quit this shit because sense of duty to community <laughs> before self is just ingrained in us. Like, you know what's harder than being a CEO getting paid millions of dollars? Being a poor-ass bitch with COVID dying in a nursing home. So, bitch, get your shit together. You can last another few months, okay? Maybe you should help some bitches out. Yes, that's my rant. I have no sympathy for (laughs) rich people. (laughs) Save the poor. Eat the rich. Yeah. I think, think honestly... Like burnout is real, and I feel like if she really just needs this, I'd rather she do that than do her job burned out oh, yeah. because it's just going to be worse. Yeah. Right. 
So like, yep. yeah, I mean, I'm looking at my job. I'm like, dude, I am not important at all. Like if I heard her job, yeah, <laughs> I would understand. Like I can't, I'm here like, oh, I'm burning out. I'm writing threatening sea shanties or something. And that's my job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I can't even imagine how fast she'd have to maneuver every time something changed and mm. do everything at the last minute. But, however, I mean, she's resigning. Stop. Like, I yeah, can't exactly. Even... So, like, to resign, that's kind of telling. Yeah. I don't know. I still feel like, I don't know. I, I feel like the mental health thing, I just have less sympathy when people have lots of resources and rich, and I get mental health affects everybody. That is true. But like, for instance, like this whole Kanye West thing of everybody's like mental health, mental health. I was like, no, he's rich. Somebody can help that bitch. I'm seeing like homeless people on the street with mental health issues. Maybe I'm going to care about them a bit more than like rich people who don't even want to get help. And okay, so this bitch maybe is taking some mental health, but maybe you know, come up with a better transition plan instead of leaving everybody in the lurch. This wasn't planned ahead of time. This wasn't like, here's my transition plan. This is like, later, bitches. Hope you don't die. Yeah. Or actually, I don't even care if you die. So, yeah. I don't think that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. I really don't think that's what happened. Like, somebody at her level and her level of competence, there's no way she'd be like, fuck all y'all and just leave. <laughs> For sure there was a plan in place. There's just mm. no way there so I, I, I actually am like, you know what? I'm on her side. Like if she's at, you know, it's like how, if anybody quits comedy, I'm never going to be like, oh, don't do that. No, you're for sure making the right decision. Like, so I feel like it's the same thing here. Like it's, it's just, she's burned out. It's fucking hard job. And if she needs it, and it's not like she's not, she's not like she's dead. Like people are going to be able to like call her and be like, hey, what happened here? What happened there? Like there's going to be stuff. And I'm sure she's going to pick somebody who is competent to take over and it's going to be fine. So no, don't let her choose. If this bitch is quitting, somebody else choose, please. No, she's checked out. Let somebody else choose. I'm over her. I'm over that bitch. Okay. (laughs) But uh, thankfully Leonard is here giving a more um, sane filled take. Um, But uh, (laughs) thank you for that. Um, Leonard, listen, I'm not even sure how much I believe in this. To be honest, I don't even know who this bitch is. I'm just. Well, that's what I was thinking. I wasn't. I, yeah. You're taking a pretty strong stance on something where I'm like, You know, I'm still mad about that Asian grandma getting blinded. So I'm just releasing fury on any. I don't even know if this bitch is white, but she sounds white. I'm just unleashing it like she's the Pembroke attackers. Listen. I don't know this bitch. I'm just angry that an Asian grandma was temporarily blinded. And I just have no sympathy for rich people who quit their jobs while people are dying in the middle of a pandemic. Sorry. Um, But yeah, I don't really know how much I believe that because I don't even know this bitch, but whatever. Um, Now going on to our uh, last hot topic that I'm also very fiery about. I feel like I'm fiery about everything today. Is uh, Kawhi Leonard who left the championship Toronto Raptors um, because he, quote-unquote, wanted to go home, um, which is fine. You know, he came, he helped us get a championship. But, you know what? Reports came out that said that part of the reason why he left was he told somebody in the Raptors that he didn't think we were good enough to win. 
So later, bitch, you know what? Last year, I was getting annoyed that everybody was saying that he was carrying the dead carcass of the Raptors to a championship. Guess what? Our record was the same before you came. It was the same after you left. Yes, you helped us get over the hump. But let's just be real. You needed us as much as we needed you. And now you went back home, got all cocky, chose your entire team, and then laid a giant egg to a young team that wasn't even supposed to do anything. And for me, usually I wouldn't revel. Well, let's be real. I do revel in people's misery. But, um, (laughs) well, other than Asians, like, I I, I try and be there for my fellow Asians. But with Kawhi, it wasn't just the way that he left. It's like this whole marketing campaign. He went to L.A., And he had this whole thing with New Balance saying, you know, I'm the new king of L.A., move over LeBron, I'm a cyborg, all this (laughs) stupid shit. You know, we own L.A. And then they have the nerve, so the team is the L.A. Clippers, and they're the most diva bitch team ever. Like, everybody was so happy that they lost because they were like... They just thought they were the shit and they didn't accomplish anything yet. And the thing that upset me the most about the Clippers is like people were treating them like they were the defending champions because they had Kawhi. Like they got the same treatment of, oh, they're not playing hard in the regular season because they're saving it for the playoffs and all this shit. You know who usually gets that is a defending champion because you already know they have the cohesion and everything. You can't give that shit to like a new team that hasn't even been together. The media, I was saying, honestly, this isn't just me coming in after, you know, and like trampling on the gravestone. I've been saying this all year. I was like, somebody paid these goddamn media people because I ain't never seen such support of a team that had proven jack shit. Okay, like nothing. They haven't proven anything. And their whole media campaign was like, you know, streetlights over spotlights, you know, um, you know, grit and grind over, you know, showtime. They're trying to make the L.A. Lakers seem like they were like this Hollywood as hell team. But you know what? The L.A. Lakers, who are the favorite to win, they came, they played every day. They played hard. They didn't take the goddamn season off. They didn't, like, miss a third of their games like Kawhi Leonard and then try and tell other people that they're, like, diva Hollywood people. You know what? They actually came and played. So you got what you deserved. You thought you were some diva-ass bitch who could come and just turn it on like you're the defending champion. Guess what? The Raptors are the defending champions. Just because you won with us, you don't take the championship with you. You just get one ring. You don't get the whole trophy, bitch. Okay? It's still an hour cabinet. And you can't have it back. Well, I mean, we're going to have to give it to another team, though. But that being said, <laughs> I thought it was great. Because, like, LA Clippers lost to Denver. Uh, and Denver, uh, like, their main player, Jamal Murray, is Canadian. And he fucking crushed yes. that whole series. <laughs> and so I just love the fact that Fly <laughs> left Toronto and got smacked down by a dude from Hamilton. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Like the LA Clippers are such a deeply unlikable team. Like everybody is the worst. Like Pat Beverly, I, he's the worst. <laughs> Montrezl Harrell, he's the guy who called Luka Doncic a white ass bitch. We went over that. Lou Williams, <laughs> like he's the guy who like left the bubble to go get wings at a strip club. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul this George, I can't. The, the thing I this whole LA Clippers thing is that they traded their entire future. For this, for this championship, <laughs> they didn't even make it out of the second round. It was so, it was tremendously satisfying because it's like, it's like when you see like an ex 
right? And then you just see their life crumbling, and you're like, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you're not allowed to do better than me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fuck. It was incredible. that that, And they got blown out in Game 7. Like, blown out. And I was like, this makes me so happy. <laughs> this makes up for for yeah. the Raptors losing. Because, like, we made it to the exact same... We did better than them because we didn't get blown out in Game 7. Yeah. yeah no, I know nothing a 3-1 lead that we blew. I know nothing about like sports like I'm that person so I just jump on the bandwagon but watching the two of you so passionate I'm like wow this is like a soap (laughs) opera for the two of you it's like housewives of New York for me like I'm just like (laughs) what yeah no no this this entire NBA bubble there's been so much drama it's been so fucking funny like just so many things like a lot of important social justice things like the Milwaukee Bucks like going on a strike but my favorite is uh fuck what is this the Houston Rockets guy uh what is his name James Harden Russell Westbrook no 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 no. he was like uh he was like their sixth man um what is his name uh Eric something no, not Eric Gordon. Um, he got kicked out of the bubble. Because oh, da- of Dan- um, Daniel House. Yeah, Daniel House. So this dude. Oh uh, shit! This is so fucking funny. All right, this is so <laughs> funny to me. So he was in the bu- NBA bubble, and then he ended up uh, like I don't know. He hooked up with the COVID tester. Like, oh. brought her back to his room, and she was not authorized to be there. No. Then he got caught. The rumor is that LeBron sold him out, which I thought was... Love it. Ellie and Houston were in the series at the time. So then uh, he got kicked out of the bubble. And he was like, nope, you're done. Get out of here. Like, he just, you fucked the COVID tester for... Because she was there for, like, a few hours, apparently. And he had to go home. And he has a And I was like... And he he's not going to have a wife and kid anymore. Well, he's still the kid, but I, I only the wife is sticking around. And, like, like that's so impressive. Like, he, he like, went into the bubble... And lost the ring. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that was... There's so much drama. I love it. The bubble. They need to do this. I I, I know they're saying they're not going to do a bubble next year, but they need to. This shit is just amazing. It's just amazing. Um, So funny. Like, the the great thing about this bubble is, like, because normally the teams don't stay in the same hotel, right? So now they, like, they're going to war on the court, and now they see each other in line at the buffet. They're like, fuck off. (laughs) Yeah, it's like a reality TV show in itself. Like, it's, I told you, I told you, yeah, yeah. And, and there's tons of reporters there, Veronica. So it is reality because people are reporting on everything, not just the games. They're reporting on all Amazing. the behind the scenes shit, stuff that you wouldn't even hear. Like, oh, you know, so and so is yelling behind a door. Stuff like people would never report that in real life because there's oh. like codes of conduct. But now it's just like anything goes. They're reporting everything, and all the drama is coming out, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be like, I want to jump on the bandwagon now. You should. There's two yeah. rounds left. Yeah, watch uh, LeBron's coronation. Yeah, the game, game's on right now. LA's playing uh, Denver right now. Yeah, there he go. So let's let's finish this thing so I can watch it. Okay, great. Um, speaking of finishing this thing, we are now on our final topic, which is our Asian movie review of the week. We always choose a movie that is related to um, our topic of the week, which this week was. 
um, living up to her parents' legacy. So the movie we chose was The Crow, starring Brandon Lee, whose father, of course, was the legendary Bruce Lee, who died mysteriously, and his son, Brandon Lee, also died mysteriously on this film. This is supposed to be his breakout film, just tragic. I still think it's a little bit shady. I won't go too deep into it because it's more about the movie, but I don't know how you accidentally shoot real bullets instead of shooting blanks. I feel like there's a murderer in Hollywood that got away with it because somebody put in real bullets. That shit didn't just happen no, by that's accident. that's not what happened. Oh. Yeah. What happened is, like, they were cheap. What? <laughs> cheap. Yeah. They were paying $20 for a box of ammo of blanks. They were like, well, let's just take real bullets, and, like, take the powder out and take the bullet part out of it. Oh, and then what God. happened is, like, uh, what, one of them forgot to take out like one of the like some of the packing, and and they shot it once, and it ended up jamming in the barrel. And then the day that they were filming that scene, the weapon specialist was home, and the prop master they gave it to the prop master's assistant, who didn't know they were supposed to check the gun and on the barrels on that shit, put in the blanks because they were doing a close up scene where you see like the the muzzle flash, and because of that, they didn't know that there was a piece of thing like stuck in the in the barrel. They put in like the the blank that didn't have the bullet, but it had like the powder. So it, mm. for all intents and purposes, it was basically a bullet, but they didn't know it was there. Mm. And then boop, shot him in the stomach. They're like, because he was supposed to get shot crumple. He did that amazing take. Director uh, <laughs> was like, That's it. we got it. And oh yeah. my god, uh, oh my god, didn't get up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shit, and then yeah. yeah. And then, oh. Well, yeah. Yeah, thank you They're for cheap. giving. It wasn't It was just cheap. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for giving the background. I love how uh, how Leonard comes with the facts and reasonableness, and I just say crazy shit. It, it really works. <laughs> it really works. You're like, it was a murder. It was like, no, it's just incompetence. And- <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's my story. I'm sticking with it. I still feel like somebody was just ingenious. They have clearly convinced the world that it was just that they're being cheap. I think some bitch didn't want an Asian superstar. Other than Keanu. Yeah. It could have been Keanu. Keanu, I don't Nobody know. Shot Nobody shot Jack Chan. Nobody like. <laughs> think he would have been a superstar. I saw the acting in that movie. Like, yeah, he would have been he, a superstar. Yeah. He would have been like, what? He would have been, I think he would have been like a sort of like a slightly better or maybe even like Mark DeCascos, you know? He, you know. I don't think he would have been a superstar. No, he was my superstar. He was my. He had already been in a couple, like you know, moderately successful movies, and this was his star vehicle, and it did make I mean, it, it number one. You know, yeah. It, but was I mean, it this movie was better than any of the, any movie? Like, you know, it's like it was better than any movie that his father made. So that's nice. <laughs> oh, uh, well, it is. There wasn't like what, name mostly movie that's better than this movie. Out, like, like actually, like artistically speaking. It was that was the seventies. This was nineteen ninety four. Yeah, I don't know what there were were good movies in the (laughs) seventies. Wow, (laughs) Bruce Lee's legacy. You know, The Godfather was in the seventies. Star Wars in the seventies. Okay, yeah, that's true. But I I just feel like Bruce Lee is such a legend. It almost feels sacrilegious to speak that. Legend, but I'm talking about his son, who also counts as part of his legacy. So it's not like he doesn't take credit. He doesn't get credit for this. I feel like I'm so biased that any movie starring an Asian like Bruce Lee, I'm just going to be like two Asian thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> like his whole catalog is great. <laughs> 
The crow is great. Did I ever tell you like the story like when like I was hanging out with my dad like a few years ago and he was just like, hey, did I ever tell you about the time I fought Bruce Lee? And I was like, what? (laughs) What? (laughs) Why am I only hearing about this in my late 30s? Like, what the what? And then he was like, yeah, I fought Bruce Lee. And then my mom chimed in because I was like, yeah, my dad doesn't know any martial arts. My mom was like, yeah, just Bruce Lee just slapped the shit out of you, man. Like, you didn't fight him. Like, it wasn't a fight. (laughs) Um, so, yeah, no, my parents, uh, like, my my dad's family and Bruce Lee's family were, like, all friends and stuff. Like, my Bruce Lee's mom was, like, my aunt's godmother. And so they were just hanging out all the time. Like, my dad just Brandon in his arms when he was a baby. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. brush with uh, almost royalty. My dad showed me all yeah. these photos. I actually, I wow. can show you sometimes. There's all these old photos of Bruce Lee, like, back in the day. Wow, that's Six pretty cool. Six degrees of Bruce Lee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, cool. I actually, I, I learned uh, Wing Chun from a guy who was right under Ip Man, who was in the same class as Bruce Lee. Oh, wow. Ah, wow, Ip Man, the guy that's like with a five-part movie series, Ip Man. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, 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 back to the movie. Sorry that I took us off track with my... Uh, unfounded conspiracy theories <laughs> you know what, what can you, I, I feel like with jennifer gone i need to take on the mantle of like just really Crazy. passionate takes <laughs> um, so maybe i'm like channeling both myself and jennifer with my level <laughs> of conspiracy theories this week but um just a bit of a rundown um so people know this movie and also so the youtube algorithm can pick up my words um and rate us properly um the crows starring brandon lee 19 directed by Alex Proyas, um, starring Brandon Lee, Ernie Hudson, Michael Wincott, and Bai Ling. I need to give a shout out to another Asian actor in this movie. Um, lead character is Eric Draven. You know, he's the guy who becomes a crow and dies. Um, this little girl, Sarah, Sergeant Albrecht, and uh, the dead woman who starts all this by dying and getting raped is Shelley Webster. Um, and then the, the gangsters have, like, these crazy names like T-Bird and Tintin, Funboy, and Skank. Yeah. Skank? Wow, that's quite the, the name. And I do have to say, this is based on a comic book by James O. Barr. Um, and okay, you know, I'll, I'll give my take first. Um I thought it was like a simple premise, but it was effective. Listen, somebody dies horrifically, they come back to life. It's very easily explainable. Um, it's like the classic revenge action movie genre, but with like a supernatural twist, which I think adds a little bit to it, but then also takes away because he was just so overpowered the whole time that he just you just didn't feel any, you know, like nobody's going to stop him. So it was, it just made it a little bit less exciting than most revenge action thrillers because like revenge kill porn is like, usually you're like, okay, we know Bruce Willis is not going to die, but there's a chance. But this one is like, no, this bitch is just going to like, you know, kill the other people. Um, I will say what I liked was the cinematography, I think it's aged really well. Um, it is of that era, but it aged well. It like sparked um, this whole grunge craziness. There's like this wrestler sting that basically ripped the whole thing off. Of course, a white guy ripping off an Asian again. And he like kept this like crow like persona for like effing decades. Um, I hope he's paying some residuals to the Bruce Lee family, or I know that's not how Hollywood works. But anyway, um, you know. 
I, I think the movie left a mark. It clearly left a mark on me. Um, I'm really yeah. sad that Brandon Lee wasn't able to make more movies. Um, I thought I thought he was really cool. I actually liked his other movies too. This was like. I can't even tell you, like, there were two deaths that really affected me when I was young. There was Aaliyah, who I loved, and there was Brandon Lee, and both of whom I had loved um, and just really thought they're going to break through. I know there's, like, dissenting opinions here. I, like, really thought this was the movie that's going to vault him into, like, the A-list. And for him to die shooting this movie, it was just, like, so tragic. But I'm glad at least we have his very short filmography to... um, to look up to and this movie is iconic and there's been a lot of horrible sequels um some of which starred in this little sarah girl when she like grows up but don't watch those those are terrible um the other thing too is i think the um the structure they use like a lot of flashbacks which was good because then we got to like start in the action right away usually i'm not a big fan of flashbacks um but like let's be real this movie wasn't about the story it was about an excuse to like shoot people while looking cool and it accomplished that um let's head on over to uh to veronica for what did you think had you had you seen this movie before wow i saw it when it first came out i saw it with my uh boyfriend at the time who was into martial arts actually Mm. all my boyfriends were into martial arts i guess my type um (laughs) and not that they're good anyways uh so i thought back then i meant at martial arts by the way not at the other thing um (laughs) case anyone sees us um so i saw it in 1994 and i saw it a few times after that and honestly i never watched that movie it was the same now i can't watch it without being distracted without all that other stuff that's related to brandon lee and this movie the curse of the movie because it had other accidents too um besides just brandon lee's accidental death and then there's the whole bruce lee legacy and then there's brandon lee's actual death it's so distracting and also he's hot mm-hmm. <laughs> even through the very makeup, girl. <laughs> hot that's why i was like when i really look at his acting I'm like that guy can't act but i will watch him um so i tried to watch again and it's like the it's the typical tortured protagonist. And I was like, okay, cool. It's they've done it well being sexy and romanticizing it. Uh, But I don't know. It was okay. (laughs) But I did, you know, those flashbacks though, they reminded me of something. And I was like, why does it feel like I'm watching like a, an eighties music video? So I look up the director, what's his name? Alex Proyas. And apparently up until the crow, that's all he did was just, um, music videos and commercials and I could feel that throughout the whole movie although stylistic I agree with you I thought it was cool but again it was something else that distracted me mm-hmm. basically you know what if you're gonna see this movie just be honest you're gonna see it because you're, you're into hot dead <laughs> legends <laughs> and their legendary fathers that's why you're gonna see it you're not interested in the crow I'm just gonna guess <laughs> Okay, hot take from Veronica. Yeah. The crow is for people who like dead hot people. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> which uh, includes me, I guess. Um, so let's uh, head on over to uh, to Leonard. What is your take on The Crow, a cult classic hit, The Crow? Um, yeah, like Veronica, I watched this when it first came out. Um, I was a teenage boy. 
and I enjoyed it as a teenage boy hmm. because that's pretty much who this movie is for. Uh, <laughs> and now, a uh, couple of decades later, it's a 40-year-old man. Hmm. This movie's fine, I guess. <laughs> for me, it's not... Like, I rewatched like, you know, I watched it again last night just because I was like, I, you know, I let's refresh, right? Let's try to recall what this is. And I was just like, this is, it's okay. It's violent. It's dark. It's moody. It's like the kind of movie, if like, if, it was, if Batman was a goth, that's what this movie is, <laughs> basically, right? It's not, the plot is like super simple. It's like style over substance <laughs> for sure. Um, but you know what? Like for an action movie, like super simple plots are fine. Like John Wick, super simple plot, perfect. It's the perfect action movie where it's like, oh, they killed my dog. I will now kill everybody. That's, that's mm. <laughs> great. And then this one, it's like, ah, they they raped my fiance, and I will kill everybody. Oh, they also killed me too. I didn't like that either. So I gotta kill him. <laughs> that's it. That's the movie, right? And so. You know, like, yeah, shot really well. Like Vaughn said, it's just an excuse to, like, do some cool visuals and, like, some cool martial arts and stuff. And like, they had, like, a lot of rapid putts. So, it, 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 you know, what I will say, like, it, it was very much, it did manage to capture the comic book aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So that was a nice thing that they managed to accomplish. But, like, you know, from, like, a screenwriting perspective, from a writing perspective, it was, yeah. It was a, I mean, it's like, Whatever, man. Like you have a clear, you have a protagonist clearly wants revenge. It's a revenge story, and then he gets it and he dies. That's it. That's that's the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, he dies again. And Ernie Hudson quits smoking. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> that's nice. Yeah. And then Violet gets her eyes pecked out. That's nice. That's right. Mm. That's right. Yeah. Uh, don't mess what with, I don't like mess with crows. And, but they, uh, they will say this. My favorite part of the movie, and I didn't remember this because when I was a teenager, I, and this was, I didn't clock this. Uh, their cat looks exactly like my cat. Oh. Oh. The white cat? Yes, that's, that's right. Too, man. Like exactly the same. Wow. I showed my wife. I was like, playing this. She was like, what? Turn on your screen. I was like, this is a 20 year old movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> cool. Wow. So, that's. Yeah, the legend lives. <laughs> cool. You're going to say something, Veronica? Oh, I was going to say, I like that how all three of us, well, probably more me and Leonard, but I feel like, I don't know why they're, why do I feel obligated to give it a second try? Like, despite everything I really think about the movie, and the only saving grace for me was his hotness, was, is that like, why do I still feel obliged to give it a second chance? I don't know why. It, it just feels like feels like a dog on the street that's lost i'm like i just want to love you but i don't want to take you home like that's yeah. what i feel about this movie yeah <laughs> i remember like feeling okay i mean that was as a teenage uh as a teenage boy i was like well that was an okay use of my time and then as a 40 year old man i was like that was not a good use of my time. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I have much more important things to do than rewatch the crow what the fuck why did i do that i not at all like a minute I'm not going to lie. I feel like I'm so biased. I don't think I've given a bad review to any of these Asian movies. It's been like, since what Asian Heritage Month we've been doing this ever since May, I don't think I've given a bad review yet. I'm just yeah. so See, starved. Thing, like that movie, I don't know if it does, like it did well at the box office, but I don't know if it would have done as well as it did if Brandley didn't die. Exactly. I think that's really the like, primarily the reason. I think that doubled the box office because they're like, well, I, I want to see like somebody died. 
Yeah, you know, yes. it's like, well, and not and not to say like that Heath Ledger's performance wasn't like fucking incredible, but he died filming the mm-hmm. and, and like and I mean he was incredible. He is no Heath Ledger, okay? So, no, yeah, not. you know, I, he I is. Like, you know, I I do think that the movie got a bit of a bump because he was dying. But I do remember back then, like, as a Brandon Lee fan, it it really was being positioned as this is his star vehicle. This is the Hollywood system is anointing him and giving him a leading role vehicle because they think he can be something. And I, I think it would have been number one regardless. It probably maybe might not have been like a cult classic the way it is now, but it still would have been something. And, um, you know, and when I say superstar, I I don't think he was like in line to be like the next Tom Cruise or whatever, but he was going to be like, like a Dolph Lundgren style. Like you're going to see him in a lot of movies. Like he was like, because like, like, like his first, it was sort of like a passing of a torch because like the first two movies he had, I think one of his movies was with Dolph Lundgren. So it was like that Jean-Claude Van Damme, Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. Yeah. He he actually was like, there was actually a lot of excitement for people who like, like the Jean-Claude Van Damme kind of movies. Actually, maybe that's like a better um, example of what he's going to be. Yes. He was going to be like the next Jean-Claude Van Damme and I was super excited for it. So it's really sad what happened to him and I thought he had potential and I really did like the movie. Um, so, you know, rest in peace, Brandon Lee, rest in peace, Aaliyah, rest in peace, Ruth, <laughs> Peter Ginsburg. Um, Cause I don't know. They all affected me in very, very different ways. Um, but <laughs> all um, are still valid. Um, okay. Uh, thank you. That wraps up our um, movie review and our episode. Um, and uh, let's see. Um, yeah, thank you. Uh, I want to thank uh, Veronica for coming on her second week on this show. I think she's killing it. Thank you, girl. Um, all the Veronica fans um, watching out there, thank you for, for supporting and commenting. And, um, you know, and uh, obviously thank, thank you, Leonard, for uh, working through all your crazy schedule and being with us. Thank you to our listeners for um for uh for tuning in and we will be back next week with another episode um our podcasts upload on mondays now and our live stream is now on sundays at 8 p.m this should be the schedule going forward um, unless we announce something different but the plan is to have this as a schedule till at least the end of the year before we make any more changes and just one final note um, as you know, our original host, um, Jennifer Shung, uh, left because now she is the weekend anchor of CP24, and she is starting on Tuesday, I believe, um, as a reporter, and then she's the anchor starting Saturday. So check her out on CP24, the most watched news station in Canada. Um, I know I'll be watching Jennifer and hopefully you will be too. And uh, see you next week.